0: Thank you for joining us. I'm Weird Al Yankovic. I'm Dakota Rimmer. I'm Garrett Hale. And this is the first and best podcast on the life and music of Weird Al.
1: It's a celebration of one of the greatest creative minds of all time, but it's also comedic, inquisitive, and obsessive all at once.
0: Oh, it is. So strap in and allow me to give you an inside peek into the minds of people who, let's face it, are better than you. Whoa, whoa,
1: Al, no, we we love our audience.
0: Yeah, Al, I mean, come on. That's not exactly the kind of show we had in mind. Well, okay, fine, but don't blame me if you wind up looking like an idiot.
1: Well, it's probably too late for that. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical, too. We
0: gotta make a catch potato out of you.
1: Welcome to me talking weird out to you, the only podcast... That wants to talk to everyone in the world about Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, my name is Dakota Rimmer, and uh, I really hurt myself just now. <laughs> just full disclosure, I'm breathing heavy now because that was painful. Uh, while I catch my breath and see a doctor, let me introduce my co-host, Mr.
0: Garrett Hale. Dakota, <laughs> this paint just won't dry. (laughs) I am telling you what Mm -hmm. I painted this wall Mm -hmm. and have not taken my eyes off of it for so long. It just won't seem to dry. (laughs) Listen,
1: I know you've, 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 you've taken on this new hobby of watching paint dry. And I prefaced that in a a, a past episode. I said, Garrett's not here. He's watching that paint dry. And and now it's gotten so ridiculous to the point that you've gone mobile on us. I don't know if people can tell by listening, but instead of getting up from that wall and and using your your mic and everything, you're just on the phone. I'm surprised you looked away long enough to dial my number.
0: Well, that's the weird part is I... Instead of taking my eyes away from the wall, I had my wife bring the phone to me and put it in front of my face so I could do both at the same time, and I punched in your number.
1: Uh, with your nose?
0: Yep. <laughs> I have a nose much like the father of the bride. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yep, I, I, that's how I input your number. I called you, and now you have the whole story.
1: Now, I'm going to clarify something. When you say like the Father of the Bride, you mean like Steve Martin's character from Roxanne, who was also the Father of the Bride.
0: Yeah, it's the same movie. <laughs> oh,
1: you know what? You're right. I forgot. <laughs> but Father of the Bride yeah. 2, decidedly not.
0: <laughs> father of the Bride 2, still Roxanne in it.
1: <laughs> Keep on Roxanne in the free world. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I saw Roxanne, the film, at a pretty young age, and I remember parts of it really freaking me out. And I've never, I've never watched it since. I'm surprised that I even knew what You were talking about, but how, how can you forget that schnoz?
0: <laughs> how did that schnoz get so schnozzy? That
1: that freaked me out, and the big boulder rolling because I guess in my mind it got mixed up with like Indiana Jones. Yeah. So yeah, freaky movie Roxanne. I don't, I still don't know what it's about. Love.
0: Hey. Indiana Jones ties into this episode that we're going to talk to talk about a little very tangentially tonight.
1: It does, and you want to hear something crazy? What's that? My wife is working from home now for the for the listeners who don't know that. And I came in today from work, and she was watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I said, "Why oh. are you watching this?" <laughs> This is not a oh. joke. This is not a setup for anything. <laughs> she was literally watching us. She said, well, I started it a few days ago, and I keep getting bored and turning it off, and I'm like, I'm going to finish it today. And then you know what she did, Garrett? She waited till I sat down and started watching it with her, and then she left the room. And so now who's oh, no. watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? This guy.
0: <laughs> once, you're, once you're in, man, you're, you just get captured by that charm, that Shia the Beef charm.
1: Shia the LaBe- Beef. <laughs> oh, Garrett. Um, it feels like we've been for it's been forever since we sat down and did a proper album dissection because we've we had our live episode. And when, when I say live, I mean like we recorded it on like on location at a live event, which would be strings attached. And then before that, I had a few uh, interviews, and it's just been like I can't even remember what album we did
0: last. It has been a full minute, Dakota. A full whole minute,
1: yep. So I think that our timing on this is actually pretty good, though, because, uh, and this is a little bit of AL news for you, uhf the film, and I guess the soundtrack as well, uh, turned 30 this year, uh, as of this recording, just
0: a couple of days ago. Yes, it did. Like, it is. A, it has been a strange 30 years, hasn't it, for this film to age...
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get into, like, its cult obsession and all that stuff when we talk about the film in a couple episodes, because we're going to dedicate this episode to the first half of UHF, the soundtrack. Uh, The second half will be our next episode, and then we'll talk about the film. I don't know how many episodes that'll take, but we'll definitely just give the film its own uh, sort of thing. But I do want to say, like, it even seems like Al and Jay Levy and, and company... Could not have predicted the cult status, and that there was a time in Al's life where he was really bummed about it being such a flop. So I think it's I think it's pretty amazing. That just speaks to the gravitas of Weird Al's fandom, like how how loyal
0: his uh, his alaholics are. Yeah, isn't it? Doesn't this seem like the kind of movie that would get to the status of something like a Rocky horror picture show at this point?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Do I you can know? definitely see crowds. Go like there being such a following that people would go see this in theater and just love it, just love that experience over and over because it's that wacky and unique. I have a, a setup
1: for a premise for when we get to the second half of this album when we talk about Spatula City, but you you've 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 teed it up so good that I just have to drop it now. You know the room featuring the impeccable Tommy Wiseau. Yes. Okay, so it's an awful film. We can just come out and say, I know hipsters will be like, it's the greatest cinematic thing, but they're joking. Okay, let's just break break down all the walls you here. You
0: bite your tongue.
1: <laughs> Don't do this to me. I've seen it. <laughs> I've probably watched it my hundred times as well. But, um, but it's just so remarkably weird and charming that Tommy Wiseau, because it effectively like both killed and launched his career at the same time <laughs> somehow <laughs> he he like hosts screenings of it where he lives in like la and like people come out in droves and like he's literally just making his living off of showing the same movie a hundred times and then doing A Q&A of it and it's it's bits and pieces of it have garnered such reaction that there's a scene in the movie the room where for some reason in the I don't know if this is the titular room. I, who knows who, what the titular room is? But in the room he's in in this one scene, there is a framed photo of plastic Tupperware.
0: <laughs> <in> the,
1: <laughs> not Tupperware. Uh, of uh, t- uh, what's it called? Like uh, utensils. There's a better word for like forks and spoons. Those things. Okay. And and that part of the movie at, at these screenings, these these uh, film nerds or who, these people that are going to these things will throw utensils flatware, that's what I'm looking for, they'll throw that on the stage as like a sort of homage to that scene, which is just so dumb because it has nothing to do with the rest of the film, but it's become that thing. I wonder if there, if in an alternate reality, and, we, and we're allowed to talk about alternate realities now because uh, Spider-Man Far From Home came out. Absolutely. I wonder if there's an, another dimension where after UHF, Weird Al kind of gave up and settled into obscurity like Tommy Wiseau, and then UHF, the movie, gained its cult following like it has and if during the spatula city scene when he's doing his screening because this is what he lives off of now people throw spatulas onto the stage
0: <laughs> Dakota you're to <onto> something and <laughs> we are going to be on the forefront of starting this
1: we, well here's the thing Weird Al can't just do a bunch of screenings that we can show up to because he's actually busy with a good career <laughs> so we gotta get somebody else to do it What's uh, what's Michael Richards up to these days? <laughs>
0: He's got
1: plenty of time That is the name Of the guy Who played Stanley Right Did I just pull that Out of thin air No you nailed it Okay I only know him As Stanley Cause I was uh, Here comes a big This is gonna be A big no no From probably All of our listeners I was never really That into Seinfeld So <laughs> Um
0: I'm, You're You and me Are in the same boat My friend
1: And it wasn't because You know I didn't think it was good I just I, I guess I kinda Just skipped over it So
0: It's um It's sort of The reigning king Of um what kind of television show is that sitcom sitcom comedy
1: yeah it really is it is the the king of sitcom television that and friends like those two are kind of like up there the king and queen of television sitcoms speaking of speaking of television
0: uh let's talk about uhf let's do it yeah um came out in 1989 the year your boy here was born that's
1: true. So every time it celebrates an anniversary, so do you. The anniversary of Absolutely. your birth.
0: <laughs> it was, I believe, four months ahead of me in birth. Wow.
1: I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> My big boys. And I imagine it I imagine it hit
0: VHS about the time I was born.
1: UHF on VHS? When it came out of theaters. You think that's it has that quick of a turnover?
0: Four uh, months? Probably not back in eighty nine. Uh, the turnaround on a VHS tape was probably closer to, like, six or seven months back then.
1: Hmm. Makes you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. But the soundtrack, for our purposes, do you have the date of the movie
0: release? Uh, July 21st, 1989.
1: So the soundtrack came out a whole two days, July 18th, so a whole three days before the the movie did. Interesting. Yeah, July 18th, 1989 is when the soundtrack came out, which is what we'll be talking about. Garrett, I don't want to really break this down too much, because we're going to have two episodes to dedicate to this, and I think a good thing to keep in our minds as we sort of dig through these tracks to discuss at the end is, does this actually function as a soundtrack? Um, and when I was creating my notes, I had that on my mind, and I think it, I actually like had a couple revelations along the way, like... 'Cause I never thought it really did, just to kind of spoil it a little for you. But I may be changing my mind. So we'll see as we go. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> don't don't flip that <laughs> dial. Yank off the knob and dust. Keep listening. There we go. Wait, wait the the knob on their phone? Yeah. Yank off that phone knob.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yank off that dongle. Wait, no, then you, I guess they'll be on speaker then at that point. <laughs>
1: I don't think, as a family-rated show, we're allowed to say, yank off that dongle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so dongles aside. Yes. Um, we will, I would like to suspend film um, speak on this movie, and we'll save that for when we talk about the actual movie, VHS. Yep,
1: the only time so, i will bring it up is if... It appeared in the movie. I'll say this was in the movie and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. Where are we starting?
1: Um I, first first of all, I want you to guess how where this peaked at on the Billboard charts, the album. Ooh. That's a good place to start, huh?
0: So let's say I think it peaked within the top fifty. I'm going to say
1: in the forty-fourth position. Forty-fourth. Yes. Try forty-six. What? A hundred and forty-six. Oh no. Yeah.
0: Peak <laughs> position
1: was one forty-six. It barely got uh, it on the list.
0: <laughs> well, it, uh, to be to spoil a little bit of how I feel about the album, mm-hmm. it doesn't strike me as strong as a lot of the others. So. I agree. I probably feel. I don't know. I guess I don't know what albums were out in '89 to say what was it what it was competing with because I'm so used to Al having an album as a whole shocking me at how high it climbed on the charts. So yeah. I went ahead and I went I went all in on that top fifty. There you go.
1: Um, I think that, and this is a little spo- spoiler for my final thoughts on the album that we'll get to, but I think, in a, in a in a word. That this album has some some low lows and some high highs. Like, it's some of his best and some of his absolute worst are on this album. <laughs> In my opinion.
0: 100% agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is one of three albums to not go gold or platinum. Uh, this one, uh, Polka Party and Poodle Hat still have not gone gold or platinum. But... This yeah, was, we'll, we'll...
0: Go ahead. We'll get, we'll get to those other albums later. But
1: well, we've already got to one of all, them.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and and that one, uh, not shockingly. Um, but yeah, I can totally understand why this one wouldn't either.
1: Yeah, it, I think, I think the film's shortcomings hurt this album, but that's for another yeah. discussion. Um, another big shift that we're gonna see after this album, but I have to say is this is the last Rick Derringer-produced Weird Al Yankovic album. Okay. So we'll talk about the major tonal shift. that Well, maybe minor, but as far as some uh, s- some positions of power go, we'll talk about that once we get to Off the Deep End, and we'll see if we can't kind of pinpoint what exactly changed as far as production on Weird Al Yankovic's oeuvre. Okay. Wait, that is next. What's ne- Is that next or is... Uh... Alapalooza next.
0: I believe oh. it's off the deep end I'm, I'm so
1: terrible at this.
0: <laughs> Why am I doing are, this podcast? We are the preeminent <laughs> Weird Al Podcast. Yep, that's and exactly I right. will stand for no less.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Um <laughs> Alright, so we start with track number one. And that track is Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hill Asterisk. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and there's a there's a story behind that title. There is because uh, if 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 you look anywhere, the there's a quote from Al where he discusses he didn't want the title to be that. Mm-hmm. He would have he would have rather had two other different titles over it, and it was all because of the lawyers mm-hmm. that that we ended up with the title, you know, Beverly Hillbillies, Money for Nothing, um, what it is with the asterisk. Which is just odd Yeah it is strange that I, At that point in time He really was handcuffed To do whatever they told him to do yeah. And Al, after, after this point When he's coming out with You know Covers of Greatest Hits albums That are total Commentary on how he feels about Producers taking advantage of him mm-hmm. it's, he, he doesn't allow this Very often Especially with how he treated girls, just to want to have lunch. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, did did you see what the uh, what he would have re- uh, called this song if he were to compromise? Like,
1: like Beverly Hillbillies for nothing or something like that.
0: Yeah, he had that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I, I read was Money for Nothing for the Beverly Hillbillies.
1: Yeah, I think either one of those. So this is like your lead lead track and one of the singles from this album, and yep. when I'm a, when I'm going to pick up a piece of music to listen to, and this is still in the days where people are digging through the crates, when people are, by the way, this was the last album released on vinyl up until I think Apocalypse, uh, people are like digging through the music section of the store. If I'm picking up a tra- an album and the first song has an asterisk and a slash in it, that feels more like. I, I don't know that doesn't feel like fun listening to me maybe that's maybe that's a weird <laughs> thing to say but like why such a clunky title is probably what have, what I would have been like like I'm not gonna listen to that that sounds awful do you think that hurt him that title uh
0: i don't think he definitely wasn't happy with it that's for sure sure outside yeah it was a compromise or it wasn't a compromise it was just something he was forced to do and this is one of the best tracks on the album I mean, I really, mm-hmm. I do enjoy the song. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it sucks that we're sitting here nitpicking the 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 terrible the terrible nature of like what he was forced to do with the title of it because it, it just could have been better. But you know, yeah, it it was what it is with the lawyers.
1: Yeah, um, that's not the only thing he was forced to do, though, was it, Garrett? No, he wasn't. He was also forced to. Uh, well, this is kind of the caveat coming down from Mark Knopfler of the Dire, Stra- uh, of dire Straits. Not the Dire Straits, as I almost said. Um, <laughs> Mark sort of insisted, in order to get the parody, that he would have to allow him to play uh, the guitar, the guitar track on it. And I've, I've said this a million times on this podcast. Um, apparently, because he'd been playing it live and, you know, it's his song, and so he played it a hundred times probably before he... Played it. Played the guitar licks for this parody. He was he had gotten sloppy. He had gotten kind of relaxed with it, and it wasn't just as good as it could be. I mean, it's fine, but in Mal's personal belief, his own guitarist Jim West plays it better, and so there's there's a good chance that a, a live version of this song is maybe just a little bit more fun and better than uh, the what we got in the studio version.
0: One hundred percent. Do we know why Knopfler demanded that? Maybe
1: just because, you know, that's his baby, you know? Yeah. Maybe he just kind of had a thing about it. Like, hey, this is my bad boy and I want to, I don't know. That's a good question, but you
0: have to admit it's a rad guitar riff. (laughs) It is rad. (laughs) Ah, It's so radical. And that's good. uh, Jim's better at it.
1: And Jim's better. Jim's better at everything though. Isn't that right?
0: It's true. Jim,
1: you so good. He's so good. He's, he's so good. Also, <laughs> the uh, synth part was uh, the Dire Straits um, synth guy. <laughs> Is it uh, Fletcher? Is yeah, it Max. Gene? I think it's it Max. starts with a G. What's that? Is it Gene? I thought it was Max.
0: Might be Max. Or am I thinking of All Max
1: Fleischer? Right. Fleischer?
0: I barely know
1: her. <laughs> oh, you're, you, dude, it's Guy Fletcher. You were right. It does start with a G. <laughs> It is know. not. It wasn't Gene, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was closer to me. Uh, yeah, he recorded the synthesizer parts. Can we it's talk like... about the music video? Dude, yes, we need to talk about the music video.
0: <laughs> I'm going to reveal something to you. Yeah. Uh, doing research for this album is the first time I watched the, the Dire Straits video for the song.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. It really explains that weird computer animation.
0: And... I listen to a lot of obscure uh bad movie podcasts and people reference people to this day still reference that video as one of the like capstones of the I guess the eighties. Yeah. As like one of those things that computer generation like computer generated uh animation like pushed the boundaries on. And if you watch that now it's like wow. Awful. <laughs> it's like Roblox. Yeah, like re- like the T V show Reboot almost <laughs> but not too far removed from that.
1: Still looks better than Minecraft, though. <laughs> <laughs> too true, my friend. There's a sick burn on those Minecraft boys. Got him. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> uh, so that whole music video appears in the film. That's all I'm going to say about it. But yeah, it's like a dream sequence. Which they keep in the video, in the music video. It shows him falling asleep and then waking up. So if you've if you've seen the video for this and not the movie, which I'm sure there's some people,
0: it's like... What is he supposed to, who's he supposed to be there? (laughs) Oh, I'll, I'll admit this too. Mm -hmm. Something else I learned when, uh, so I don't know anything about the Beverly Hillbillies. And when I was looking up stuff on this song, I found out that the lyrics to Al's parody are just the lyrics from the, the theme of the show.
1: Yep. This is the second time he's done that.
0: If I remember correctly. Is the other time the Brady Bunch. It is. It, blew my mind dakota yeah yep. i had to, i went and watched the the theme song to the beverly hillbillies and i didn't know that al had done that twice where he'd taken a tv show theme and just mixed remixed it with another popular song
1: that's why in my opinion i don't hate this song but um i don't think again don't think it's a strong start just for that reason Right, it's incredibly fun, and especially if if you—I mean—in the time if you lived and you watched this show, I bet that was amazing. I I said, "Oh man, he took that and kind of did the thing." It's basically like a—not a a, a cover, but like a remix of the theme. And so, I'm I'm sure that was cool then. And it's not a bad song by any means, but I think that kind of it, it kind of takes it down a notch for me that it's just that. But again, I only say that to say that I think it's a little bit of a weak start but not that it's a bad song.
0: Yeah, and I have uh, I have a similar... say. Uh, what I'm about to say is similar about what I will say, say later it. on for another uh, yeah. song, where okay. the song Money for Nothing, remixed with the lyrics to Beverly Hill Abilities, is a real strong subversion. So Al, li- Al loves to do that a lot, where he'll take the, the the subject matter and subvert whatever he's singing about with a radically different musical style. And so when you take uh, the nature of the Beverly Hillbillies, how it's very, I don't know what the word is to think for it, but it's just old. It's mm-hmm. a very, and if you listen to that, the, um, the theme song for the show, mm-hmm. it's very, uh, Hillbilly yeah. I, I don't
1: know. um uh, Rusty maybe
0: whiskey jugs. <laughs> yeah. And when you listen to money for nothing, it's very cool. Like yeah. dark shades, guitar riff, and so when you mash those two concepts, images together, it, it it's supposed to be a recipe for comedy. Because you have these two things mm-hmm. that don't go together. And it, it it works for me on a level of, I love money for nothing. And I think the lyrics to Beverly Hills fit so well yeah. <laughs> with the song. It does. That. It. it
1: fits incredibly well. Yeah. So I found that so, an interesting fact. And this blew my mind. This is something I didn't know. So mark this down, everyone. Put this in your notebooks, because I learned something about Weird Al today. (laughs) Apparently, this was one of those times when, as we've learned over the years, Al approached Prince to do a parody. And he was... This was going to be, instead of to the tune of Money for Nothing, it was going to be to the tune of Let's Go Crazy. Well, now you tell me how the lyrics to the Beverly Hillbillies theme fit into "Let's Go Crazy."
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's do a little research here.
1: And Beverly spe- Hillbillies. I'll tell you that it was in the DVD commentary for the movie for UHF. He said that the the concept of Money for Nothing, Beverly Hillbillies, was originally a parody of Prince's "Let's Go Crazy." Wow. So, was it going to still be basically the theme song, which I don't see how that fits, or was it just going to be kind of like talking about the Beverly Hillbillies to "Let's Go Crazy"? What would you say? Let's go to Beverly. I see that it I don't know. I I can't wrap my mind around it, and I don't have time to do it now.
0: <laughs> Beverly, Beverly. Oh, I I can't even try to.
1: I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> If you listen to this podcast and you're a music type person, just create that for us. It doesn't even have to be good. Just try to figure it out for us.
0: Thank you, Prince. Because I think we got a better product.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who are we talking about more these days? Dire Straits or Prince? Hmm? Yeah. History will show. (laughs) Uh, So you were talking about how, um, you know, two things are like... uh, not the same and how the juxtaposition of the two provides comedy yeah you know two things that i don't think are the same what's that mahatma gandhi and action movies (laughs) track number two is gandhi two next week on u62 he's back
0: and this time he's mad Gandhi Two. No yeah, this is just Passive straight up resistance. ripped from the movie as just a skit.
1: Okay, now you say that and and for years I were I was not happy as a music fan, as a as a fan of Al's music, that there was just Gandhi Two and Spatula City thrown on here. I'm not denying their how classic they are and their their comedy. In fact, Spatula City, as I kind of talked about earlier, is now, like, a thing. Like, people have tattoos of spatulas with Weird Al's face on them. Or, or just have regular spatulas with Weird Al's face. Or they bring spatulas and have him sign them. So, spatulas have kind of gone up as one of those, like, accordions and Twinkies and poodles. Like, that's a Weird Al thing, for some reason. Yeah. And so, I'm not denying the how good either of those two products are. But I, I was upset... I don't know if "upsets" even the right word. I was just kind of like, "Well, that's a cheap out, just throwing two skits on the album." Um, but I found this when I was when I was uh, doing my research, and this is where I kind of started to turn around on this being a soundtrack. He actually did just record those in the studio, and then they oh. were when the movie was being made. They made the visuals to it. So, okay. So this is a piece of like musical skit work, kind of like what the Lonely Island does when they have a skit on their albums. Like they have just like, some, so a lot of them feature talking and then getting, think of like the Michael Bolton, uh, yeah, Jack Cap, Captain Jack Sparrow. Like it started as a music a piece of music and then when it would go on to become a digital short for SNL, then they added the studio stuff. They actually got Michael Bolton on camera, blah, blah, blah. And now it's a thing. But at first and foremost, it was just a song with a skit at the beginning. That's what this is more of a skit, but there is that music behind that. It kind of sounds like shaft. Uh, but apparently he, he recorded those in the studio before they were actually audio or visual commercials. Those two plus like the, the Conan, the librarian and all those other ones. Yeah.
0: That's pretty fascinating. That that reminds me a lot of what he did with Twista or Twister with Beastie Boys, where mm. it's it's hardly a song, yeah, and more of a skit, yeah. Like it's it's more of a it's more of like a commercial. concept, like a yeah. think piece, where there's a there's a there's a bit of con, like a like to me it feels like low hanging fruit comedy, where <laughs> you take you take a historical figure like mahatma gandhi and you just put the you put the um the exact opposite of what you think you mean uh, violence his, and his, yeah eating steak <laughs> you, you take you take all of his life work and you juxtapose that with shaft or <laughs> in the or what they do in the, in the gandhi skit with magnum pi in the car yes yeah very much so, yeah. So I, I have more respect for it with with respect uh, in 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 the context you just laid out.
1: Yeah, the same for me. I think that that's pretty cool. Like you said, though, a little bit low hanging fruit. But Gandhi, the first Gandhi film was still huge. I'm sure. Yeah, like didn't that do movie win awards?
0: Ben Kingsley. Uh, oh, Ben Kingsley. Do you know who played Gandhi? I do.
1: You want to say it at the same time? <laughs>
0: uh, Three, two, one. Ben Jay Kingsley. <laughs> Wait a minute. That wasn't, it about? <laughs> that wasn't Ben Kingsley in That uh,
1: wasn't no. Ben Kingsley in UHF? No, Garrett. He couldn't afford him.
0: <laughs> uh, I just threw a knee slapper at you. Yes, yeah, of I course know. it's Jay Levy. Yeah.
1: yeah, pretty funny. Pretty good, too. Me nailed it.
0: A neat way to incorporate somebody so pivotal.
1: Well, this, this is the director of the film, too, so that, I guess yep. that, that's officially a, a, a cameo.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Isn't that what they call it? Like when Peter Jackson appears in his own movies, director's cameo, something like that?
0: I like to call it hubris. Hubris. <laughs> Pretty good. No, no, it's Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson is a treasure, and we love it every time we see him on the screen. Yes. And we love Jay Levy for yes, the do. thirty some odd seconds.
1: The few, the very few times he's appeared on camera.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I think he's in the video for um, Bob. That's the only okay. other time I can think of him being in in a Weird Al video. I Spoilers could be wrong about poodle that. Spoiler for
0: poodle hat reviews,
1: huh?
0: Spoiler for our discussion on poodle hat.
1: Yeah, way down the road. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's Gandhi too. Pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's it's. It's a good inclusion on the album since it is a soundtrack. Yes, I approve.
1: This next track is where we really kind of step away from, like, so the the movie was about television and it's supposed to be a television heavy thing. So the first song was about a TV show. The next song slash skit came directly from the film. This one is our first huge diversion from that, and that is "Attack of the Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars." Okay. <laughs> question for you, Garrett, is, and this is is probably a no-no in Weird Al fandom circles, do you prefer this or Slime Creatures from Outer Space?
0: Personally, I prefer the Slime Creatures.
1: Garrett, so do I.
0: (laughs) My, and I'm going to do the thing again now, where I tell you what I say about this song is something else I'm going to say about a later song, but... Listening to this, there are that there are hints of what he will do in later music, because when I'm listening to Attack of the Radioactive Hamster from a Planet Near Mars, I'm hearing a little bit of Airline Amy and Stuck in a Closet yeah, outside. Okay. If you take away the tones, the the sci-fi tones he interjects throughout Hamsters, I'm hearing these other rock tones from the songs that he's not written yet. And so mm. and also it I mean, it I don't know. Maybe I was maybe I just can go with the the slime creatures theme more than I can go with the hamster theme. I mean it's not it's not like it's any less wacky or funny because I love the imagery of giant hamsters and blimps and central park and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like that's great. It's 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 a good song. Yeah. But to me, it just feels like he's tapping into stuff he's gonna do later.
1: It is interesting that you bring up that it is just a, just a rock song. Yeah. Whereas you're 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 kind of into that deeper like uh, like you really loved um, Nature Trail to Hell. Oh yeah. And that's very conceptual, and it has a lot of like like it really gets into like horror movie kind of theme music and stuff like that. Well slime creatures from outer space in the tradition of uh b movies and sci-fi movies and uh you know they live type of films it has a lot of synthesizer and it has that kind of chaos that he interjects in in some of his more chaotic songs Uh, so i think that it's interesting that despite a slightly similar nature to these songs that the one does have a different sort of musical undertone to it I never thought about it that way. I I like that, too. Maybe that is why I like the other one, as well. Hmm.
0: Yeah, this feels a little less clever, too. Yeah,
1: I have a real problem with the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Was that funny?
0: Really dragged in the third act. (laughs) No,
1: No, okay, so let me set up the premise for you. They land on his doorstep but they're not big yet, but then they get to the microwave and they become big?
0: Yeah, I did read some people were commenting on the humor of that because there was a misconception in the 80s where people thought that radio, uh, radioactive waves were coming out of the microwave and that's oh. what created the giant hamster to or caused the hamster to mutate
1: interesting we're, we're micro- <laughs> this is going to sound real stupid if this is if this is known knowledge were were microwaves new in the 80s
0: <laughs> new well they were new enough where people would didn't understand the technology as mainstream okay all right interesting <laughs> yeah it's um yeah I, I when i read that i when i listening to the song i had never thought of the humor behind that as, as uh, blatant as it is. Yeah. But I can definitely see that now as pointed out to me, why in 89, uh, that's hilarious because people thought they were going to mutate if they stood too close to the microwave.
1: I never thought about that either. Well then if that's such a, if that's a good like crux for the song, like, Hey, let's base this around people's fear of, uh, things picking up radio waves and, and mutating. Yeah. Then And why did they have to come from space? <laughs>
0: I don't know. It, it's a it's a sci-fi theme. Like a, a, it's it's mixing up a, a couple different themes. Actually, I will ask this. Mm-hmm. He mentions that they don't like Burger King or salad bars.
1: I think they want to eat people.
0: But why does he call out Burger King and salad bars? Is there a joke that I'm missing there concerning hamsters and
1: he loves Burger to, King? He loves to I think like throw in like. Proper names like throw in a name of a restaurant here and there, like he does it. Like he, he says, the sizzler, he talks about the sizzler in uh, yeah. Albuquerque, and he, and there's a few other ones. But I think the only reason he picked salad bars was because of Mars, yeah, planet near Mars salad bars. Okay, it's a shame I, there's not a single restaurant in the world that rhymes with Mars.
0: Dang it, I'm not, and, and as I didn't think of one. <laughs> So I okay. was just making sure that there wasn't a joke flying right over my head there. Nope. I'm okay, with yeah, I, I set it up like Berker there team. was. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, um, yeah, hamsters are cute little house pets. Outside of that, I don't there. I don't think there's a deeper humor to a hamster other than it's got a funny name. Is there a P in hamster? No, and it's funny that you say that because <laughs> for a long time I pronounced hamster with a p, and there's no p in the word. Because well, this
1: website seems to think there is. is. Oh, <laughs> this lyric site. Hold on, <laughs> hamster,
0: new hamster.
1: <laughs> now hold on, maybe maybe the song is wrong.
0: uh Oh,
1: hold on. Let me. This is this is breaking. Nope. Yeah, the song has no p. But this Lyric website, What what is this site? Oh, Now I've lost it.
0: There's no P, Dakota.
1: Okay, well, they need to fix the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got to get the internet technician. Call out right.
1: Bill Gates. <laughs> He's the guy. I I phone up Bill Gates. I, I call him
0: money for short. Uh, I call hey. him at the home and I make him do my tech support. <laughs> <laughs> He slaps on his leather belt with a plunger and a wrench, and he just goes and hits the internet a couple times and blows on it, and it's fixed.
1: Mm. They thought Kim Kardashian broke the internet. The word hamster actually broke it. It was a hamster. Yeah. that pee. Hamster with a little piece of cheese on
0: its head. Oh, that's adorable.
1: It is. Man, I'm just having warm fuzzies now thinking about that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to relish them while I can, because... Um, <clears throat> This next song, Garrett, is going to take a toll on me.
0: <laughs> you have had your druthers with this song. Have I talked about this in the past? You've made mention of how you feel about this song. What is this song? This song is a real aisle thing, dude.
1: It's a weird aisle thing. I,
0: <laughs> I like it. Yep. I approve
1: Isle thing, a parody of a wild thing by Tone Loke.
0: Going uh, into this song, I feel like it should be a lot more funny to us than it comes across, yeah. but I think it doesn't resonate as well because we are so far removed from Gilligan's Island.
1: Yeah, was this? I guess, I guess Gilligan's Island was a big hit, right?
0: Yeah, and the thing with me when listening to this song. I don't know anything about Gilligan's Island, but listening to it and thinking about it, it's it's this is the, one of the songs that I referenced before where he does the thing where you have a style like a song by Tone Loke, and it's this real uh, hip y like sort of sexy like sort of rap rap song and you're mashing that up with very campy television content. And so you, that's another very strong juxtaposition of ideas and imagery, you know. Yeah. Out, but but Skipper, he's he's a he's a fine looking gentleman. He is a sexy dude. So maybe I'm defeating my argument.
1: There's actually I forgot to put this in my notes, but you know that later on Al tried to do a parody of "In Love with a Stripper," and it was "In Love with the Skipper,"
0: and it was another Gilligan's Island song. Yeah, and like, it what really makes you wonder, what, what is the deal with Gilligan's Island? Because another thing yeah. is, why is it called Gilligan's Island? Yeah, he doesn't own it. He he does uh, foil their attempts to leave the island. Mm. Like, that is one of the main crookses of the show, is how oh, he spoils no, their escaping.
1: I think I just stumbled upon a fan theory. What's that? Is... Is the island Purgatory and Gilligan is Satan? Quick, break down all the characters. Do they all represent the seven deadly sins?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess wouldn't Ginger be vanity, I mean, vainness? Sure, was she like the quote-unquote hot one? Yes. And <laughs> would the would the skipper be um flaw? I think anger, be anger. Yeah. There you go. Well then man. you have Gilligan. Yeah, and then you have Greed With the rich which, guy With the rich couple, yeah
1: Oh my god, I, surely someone else has gotten to this before we have <laughs> We may be on yeah. something I'm gonna call up Cracked Okay, Make so let's, let's keep
0: Let's keep digging into this song I, I ran out of knowledge about this, <laughs> this show So, is it true That this is the only TV show theme song that's not on the TV album? I think so because and it makes you wonder,
1: why isn't it on the TV album? If he loves Gilligan so much, why wouldn't he put it on there?
0: Because I think it sort of goes along the lines of what you're feeling about the song. He may have the same sentiment, and he was only given so many songs that he could put on it, and this one didn't make the cut. So, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna cut songs that are about television, somehow here's Johnny beat this song out,
1: right? Or Brady Bunch.
0: Every day. We both well, I, I team. will. Uh, I'll,
1: I'll beat the drum for Brady Bunch. I like that song. I, no, I'm. I, you know what I do too. But the TV album. We're only a few years removed from it at this point. And while we're talking about UHF, Brady Bunch yeah. would have been much older by now. So okay. he may have been like, I'll skip over that because safety dance is less relevant than tone loke.
0: You've got a good point.
1: So, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, okay, so following that train of thought, if he didn't like it very much. Do you think that they pushed Tone Loke on him at the studio like they did with, like, Cindy Lauper?
0: I 100% believe that could be the case. There's
1: no history of it, so this is purely speculation. But then again, Cindy Lauper is, like, a household name. Has Tone Loke, has anyone ever been like, you gotta do Tone Loke? (laughs) Like, was he huge? It's,
0: it's, well, I'm gonna say weird, but, but, I mean, it's, we're talking about weird out here. (laughs) It is strange the like, the whole a lot of uhf feels strange when you look at the artist and the song in the actual parody like uh-huh. like the because we're going to get to another song on the back half of the album that i could have this same sort of conversation about that where it's kind of strange to do a, a parody of this specific song but it could have been something where the song was just so huge that the studio said you've got to do this or maybe he thought that it was going to be more of a hit than it actually turned out to be sort of like when he missed like it was a big swing and a miss with ruthless people
1: yeah that's true I have two more thoughts I do too the first one is he he name drops funky cold Medina yep oh no no that's not the first one the first one I'll talk about that in a second the first one is that this is his first rap parody he played around with rap with his original twister but this is the actual first rap song he parodied Okay. Very true. which makes me wonder about Rick Derringer because Rick Derringer comes from rock specifically like right. classic rock, like the McCoys. And so it makes me wonder if this was the beginning of their kind of like, uh, you know, where they're like, or he kind of, but we'll, we'll get into more of why he left later or what we can speculate. The other one was, uh, he draw he named jobs, funky cold Medina, which was the tone Loke's other big hit. Do you know what a funky cold Medina is?
0: I do now.
1: You looked it up. <laughs> Yes I had two as well because I was like I know th- I knew that the other song existed uh, but I didn't know what it even meant in tone Loke's song.
0: I didn't know that the other song existed.
1: Oh seriously yeah so so it, when you heard it in Isle thing you' were like, what the heck?
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so it's like an aphrodisiac so so Al essentially says that the that the hot one needs an aphrodisiac so somebody was vibing um. hard. <laughs>
0: What I heard, what I read that on or on the official website that is Urban Dictionary was that it is oh. a vodka beverage. Oh, so that leads me to believe that uh, it, it's also kind of strange to know that Al has referenced alcohol again in another song. If that's the case, because outside of Happy Birthday, we now have
1: well. I think it became a vodka, because in the music video for Funky Cold Medina, it's just a potion with like smoke coming out of it, and people okay. made a cocktail out of that.
0: Uh, that makes a lot more sense.
1: But in the music video for Funky Cold Medina, I've done a research. He, Tone Loke
0: you is are trying down. to get girls to find love. Huh? You, went, you went amongst the folks that are, that are in the know, <laughs> yes. and you Loke. asked them personally about Tone Loke and... Medina. Yeah. I feel like you a know local. firsthand the effects.
1: Yes. So, in the music video for Funky Cold Medina, he gives this love potion, a la Love Potion number nine, if you've ever seen that classic film. He gives it to, like, his dog, and his dog immediately starts humping his leg. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives it to this hot chick who turns out to be transgender. And he's like, whoa, never mind. And he gets out of bed with her. And then he finally oh. realizes, he finally decides that. Love potion number nine is too much trouble, and he dumps it down the drain. So <laughs> this thing makes things instantly want to ha- uh, be in bed with you, to put it mildly. And so Weird Al is suggesting that he would like to give one of them to Marianne or whatever her name is from Isle Thing from yep. Gilligan's Island. My That's wife pointed job. out something. He calls this Isle Thing, but the show not called Gilligan's Isle. It's called Gilligan's Island. This was a bad thing from the start. What a horrible premise! Well,
0: (laughs) it kind of it it kind of plays into that subversion of culture and uh, subject matter because if you feel if you walked into some people who were just real funky and watching the show, and I can definitely see myself walking in and saying, "Yeah, shut the door. I'm watching that whole thing. I'm not like you. I don't think that. I don't think if you were like using a slang." he would necessarily just say Ylligan's Island you might refer to it as Isle thing hey get out of here I'm
1: watching the Isle. yeah yeah that's what I call lost <laughs>
0: <laughs> well now that's what I'm going to call it now
1: which I still have which I still have to say to this day hey get out of here I'm watching the, the aisle <laughs> don't don't interrupt me during my aisle
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's my aisle hour it's my guys. stories <laughs> I'm watching my programs. <laughs> <laughs> my program <laughs>
1: Boy a real classic piece of comedy Is in 2019 calling your show a program
0: Yeah my my baby has her programs If that I can't interrupt
1: If I ever get my own late night talk show It's going to be called The
0: Tonight Program <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis that on way, pro that, that way people at home can say I'm watching my program Oh it's just Dakota Rimmer again He's on tonight Here's a,
1: good, it's the program here's, show. here's a good comedy bit for you. It's going to be called The the Program, but the emphasis is going to be on Prog, and it's just going to be a bunch of Moog synthesizer noises. There you go. That was for four people.
0: <laughs> Boo.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. I want to move on now.
1: Hey, so in Funky Cole Medina, there was a lot of... Um, a lot of, uh, just like in uh, just like in uh, Wild Thing, there was a lot of samples, right? In Funky Cold Medina, yeah. one of the samples was of a song called Honky Tonk Women by a band oh. called The Rolling Stones. Them Stones was rolling. This segue brought to you by Hot Rocks Polka.
0: Very, very good. You like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's all true,
0: too. Do you like the Hot Rocks Polka? You know what, Garrett? I do.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. I- yeah. Again, as a kid... Present your
1: argument. As a kid, <clears throat> I wanted to hate it. Because I, I, I okay. never—I would never call myself a fan of the Rolling Stones. And um, on an album that has quite a few other misses, according to my own personal opinion, I was a little upset also that usually I can look for that one redeeming factor in his album, and that's that polka. So I can hear songs at the time when I was not listening to songs. And this one instead just included all Rolling Stones. But... I think, A, it gives me a better appreciation for Rolling Stones, because I listen to that and I'm like, I'm aware of all these songs. I never knew I was aware of that many Rolling Stones songs, for, yeah. for better or worse. I'm like, I know that, I know that, I know that. That's It's like crazy that there's so many that I know. But also, and I have a hypothetical for you, Garrett. What if he had done this from the beginning? Each polka was just one artist. Like, okay, the fir- like in his first album, he, he parodies Queen and he talks about the Who and stuff like that. What if his first polka medley was just Queen songs or the Who songs?
0: I think the, was it from the last album that we got the the Bohemian Rhapsody polka?
1: I think that's on Alapalooza.
0: Okay, well, I think it's him experimenting with his polka recipe yeah. at this point. Because he's done, as you're, you know, as you're alluding to, or pointing out, he's done the polkas where he's mashed up a whole bunch of different artists, and now this is an opportunity for him to take one of his favorite artists and take a culmination of all their songs and mash them into a polka. And I, my, my critique of this song is I think, I think this polka is half good, because there are songs that I think are really good as polka within this song, uh-huh. but then I think I don't. I think some of them don't work within the polka itself. Like I love when he goes into Brown Sugar in this polka. I love it when you get um, uh, satisfaction in this polka because yep. they, they they for some reason it just work really well with that with that oompa uh, polka style. But there are like there's a lot of stuff in here that just. I don't know, it doesn't seem as fun as a lot of the other Polkas. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's because a lot of the... A lot of Rolling Stone's music isn't super campy, or it's not one-hit wonder-esque, and that is the brilliance and the fun of other Polkas, is especially when Al gets around to the Angry White Boy Polka, and now that's what I call polka. Is you get a lot more artists that are like one, uh, one and dones yeah. uh, as far as I'm as far as I'm aware of. Uh, there is in, a lot of one hit wonders in the context those of the radio. Yeah, yeah. But when you do that to an artist like the Stones, every song in the polka is a hit. That's true. And that's why I don't feel like I have as much. I don't think I have as much fun with this one. Yeah. Just yeah, my yeah. You
1: can't enjoy the campiness of it when it's not. like I said for better or worse when it's not a campy artist the Rolling Stones are a serious rock act that have shown to be very successful so
0: love them or not yeah they are um I mean they're they they are one of the greatest rock bands of all time by Mm -hmm. you know history standards in sales and success
1: for the record because the internet just corrected me our next album is Off the Deep End and then Alapalooza However, uh, I just wanted to I, correct that from earlier, so nobody calls me out on it.
0: <laughs> Do you think he could have pulled off a polka, polka as well with the Beatles?
1: Oh yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent. And in fact, I kind of want to hear other polkas dedicated to one artist, and not like Bohemian Polka, where it's one song. Still multiple right. songs, but just the one artist. Like he's Queen. shown to love, like, like because he loves the Rolling Stones. This is not his first allusion to him, and it will not be his last. Right. So I want to hear the other ones that I know he loves. Like, he loves Devo. He loves They Might Be Giants. Um, and all They Might Be Giants polka? Oh, would be mwah, unreal. chef's kiss. That would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of want that, but I also would miss greatly the polka medleys of all artists from that era. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, I guess you take what you get. Do you know where the, the uh, title comes from? What's that? The, it refers to their Greatest Hits album. It was called Hot Rocks 64 to 71, and it was all their greatest hits from 1964 to 71. And okay. so he called his Hot Rocks Polka. So it makes you wonder if he had that album in heavy rotation, and that's why he decided to do it.
0: Hard to imagine that he didn't, because of cause, just because he was as big of a fan as we're aware that he was.
1: I wonder if all those songs are on that... What if those are all the tracks from That Greatest Hits and it's in the same order?
0: <laughs> um, We're about to find out. You're going to
1: Google it? I, I can just I click am... through the link right here, dude. Nope. It, I'm... it, it immediately is different. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, there's a lot of... Actually, some of the songs on his polka aren't even on here.
0: Yeah, Painted Black is not in the polka.
1: Oh, it'd be cool if it was, though.
0: It would be. Yeah, you're it'd be, right.
1: It'd be real cool if it was.
0: <laughs> anyway... <laughs> This is a. I don't hate this polka. It's just not one of my preferred ones. Um, It's not one that I would go to over uh, some of the other ones that we've gotten in the past and some Mm -hmm. to come. Like another reason, and I'm not going to say that the Angry White Boy polka is amazing because of how like like Monday Wondery. That one is beautiful because it's a that's a juxtaposition of style versus you know song. Top five for sure. Yeah, but this one. It, it, it falls into that realm of same reason that I'm not as high on bohemian polka. I, yeah. the, the beauty of the out polka is the, the variability. Sure. I like agree. you can, you can put so many different styles together when you get different artists in that when you do the hot rocks polka or the bohemian polka, it's it, I don't think it works as well.
1: Yeah. And you're right. Speaking of artists that he loved and you, you brought up the Beatles uh, our next track is UHS. <laughs> okay. Another great segue.
0: Dakota. UHF is a real treat. Absolutely. This
1: is the the, the title track uh, as we've discussed in the past. There's only two or three title tracks in Al's history. You have Polka Party, Dare to be Stupid, and UHF. And I believe that... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's it. Just three title tracks. Um, but it's also the title of the film. And as such, it really 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 does capture the film. Because it's like, we're this is the channel you're going to watch this and all that bubble. Now I know there's no forced television watching a la Clockwork Orange in the movie UHF, but it's singing about the station they have. It name, name drops it several times, and so it works really well as the movie theme, and I like that. What do you think about this track, Garrett?
0: Dakota, I'm going to be honest. I don't have many notes on this song because I love it so much.
1: It's just a big heart. You just drew a giant it's- heart.
0: It, and it it's not it's not a it's not a style parody of anything it's an original much like something like Midnight Star yep where it comes across as this is Al yep. as a as a rock star this is this is his brand yep. and you can't pin it on one artist no and it's what's so beautiful is that you're right it, it encapsulates the movie in you know however many minutes long the song is beautiful and what was so great is I actually listened to both versions of the song, where you have the album version, yeah. and then they did remaster it yeah. later on. And when you listen to the remaster, it sounds so much more like hard rock with the riff. Yeah, it
1: like has it, it, it has a longer intro and an extended riff in the in the new one as well.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Jim is just really digging into the the UHF main riff, and it's awesome. Boy, a lot, but of, it a lot of
1: gym talk in this episode.
0: It's he's good. He's a, he's a gym. <laughs> he's a... <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is, between, even like I still like the old one. Uh-huh. But when you listen to the old one after you've heard it remastered, the old one feels slower. Yeah, because yeah, they, they definitely kick it up uh, a few, like a couple notches where it's a little faster and what feels like it's a, there it's a little bit harder when they do the the remaster of it. It's, you know what? It's
1: I'm I'm gonna make up a uh, saying right here, but I think they definitely take the remastered one up to uh, to level eleven.
0: To go to the As beautiful set said, I don't think so. That's great. We should patent it. We should put that on T-shirts. I've got an idea for a movie. Oh, I would love to hear it after this.
1: Um, so do s- it. Since you don't have a crazy amount of notes, then let me twist your teat on this topic. There are some I, originals. It that- twisted. Ah! <laughs> I was gonna try to let that one go by and see if anybody ever repeated it. <laughs> um, you
0: ripping off my dongle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are some originals that surpass uh, Al's original music status. Like Al is known, uh, d- d- um, as much as some of us would like to not to admit it, he's known for his parodies. He is. Uh, well up until recently thanks to Michael Jackson he was known as the It guy and people know Amish Paradise people demand to hear White and Nerdy but as far as we're concerned we love those originals and there's very very few that break into the mainstream Dare to be Stupid's one because it it was so much of a Devo thing that it it sounds like a parody and it was the uh, uh, in his heyday in his nice early 80's heyday it was the title track and all that and so Dare to be Stupid got to enjoy that and I think I think Albuquerque comes close because it's just so wild and crazy. People love Albuquerque. I think that of the few, and I, and there are very few, that you could bring up to somebody and they know it if they're not a hardcore Weird Al fan, I think UHF just barely gets there. I think it kind of surpasses other originals, and it's a, I'm going to coin the term, it's a standout original.
0: I think it helps that it has a movie.
1: Sure, yeah. Just like Dare to Be Stupid had an album name, this one helps because it has a movie.
0: Yep, the album name, the movie name. Yeah, like that will that will add a little bit of uh, transcendence to the you know the the notoriety of the song for sure. You know what? But you're right. It's it's. But the song doesn't rely on its humor. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it is. It's not humorless. The idea is funny. There's not a there's not a bunch of jokes. Maybe one or two. But it's it's just a good original concept for a song. Yeah. So.
0: And the thing is, Al's been doing television-themed songs for years now at this point. He has one one
1: later on in this album that was meant to be a television-themed song.
0: And that's what's crazy is this one still manages to be a home run of a song, even though it still touches on content that he's tapped into so much.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, well, and he's not being referential, so that's nice.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It doesn't it doesn't encapsulate it in the context of a single show or multiple shows that you're you're thinking of as you're listening to the song. It it exists on its own without reference.
1: Um, there is one caveat to that, and I'll mention that in a second. But at first, I, I kind of want to put that to our listeners: Are there other originals that you think broke that mold that the mainstream audience knows about them as much as they know about white and nerdy or Amish paradise. Like, like dare to be stupids way up there. And I think UHF gets close. What other, what would our listeners think? Or what uh, to our listeners, what else do you think of his original songs kind of gets out there? But the, the caveat to him not relying on anything else is in the music video because the music video is like a hundred percent, a parody of a a ton of other
0: artists. (laughs) question yeah does twine ball count for what oh your question
1: i don't think people know it as well i think i could go up to somebody who knows who knows white and nerdy and they would not know uh, twine ball okay i mean That's i love it i wish it was a breakout i wish people knew it as much as they knew his parodies but no i think that one's for us hard to enjoy Okay, what a what a douchey sentence (laughs) (laughs) what a nerd it tasted bad coming out of my mouth (laughs) what a dork (laughs) yeah you it's a oh the music video i wanted to get to the music music video. video uh really good i love all the all the different even even when he changes from one artist to another, he changes the style of the video itself. You know, it's like some are in black and white, some are hazier than others. The Beatles one is a little like grainier and trippy, or whatever, like the kind of Beatles style. Like it's it's a really good music video, dude. Yeah. He even throws it back to um. Oh, what's his name? His name's not Arnold Palmer, but that's what I want to say. Arnold from Palmer, the guy behind "Addicted First. to Love." Oh Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. He even throws it back to that, even though he's already parody that song, he gets in a little uh Robert Palmer addicted to love stuff in there by spoofing that music video.
0: <laughs> I love how the ladies have the uh they also have their mustache. The beard and mustache or the glasses and mustache, yeah. Yeah. Good. It is really cool. He he has a Prince moment where yeah. you know, even if he's not if he's not parodying Prince, he can still He can still look like him. He can't he can't yeah. trademark a, a look. <laughs> it's it, yeah you're right the The best part about the video is how he's parodying a whole bunch of artists he's got um David Byrne
1: yeah I love the the talking heads homage in there
0: yeah even though like he's already did you know um doggy uh, dog yeah
1: he gets ZZ Top in there uh, uh George Michael uh I'm just going off of memory Billy now. Idol Billy Idol uh, what's the one with Sledgehammer? Peter Gabriel. So much good stuff. What a great video. Maybe maybe
0: one of his best videos. But man, his
1: videos are so good, it's hard to say that.
0: <laughs> a little strange, though, that he's parodying a bunch of different rock artists for a song that's about television. So you'd think that with the content of the song, he would be dressing up as a bunch of different TV shows.
1: Yeah, and and I was just about to mention that, too. I'm going to throw it back to... Something that came up when we interviewed Weird Al uh, yep. for this very podcast. Uh, if you're new to the show and you don't know that, go listen to that. It's somewhere in our feed. Um, we we asked him what was the concept for um, a couch potato. Ooh, couch potato's name dropped kind of in this. The first line says, uh, I'm going to make a couch potato out of you. So that's yeah. fine that he kind of alluded to that later in his career with the song couch potato he had always wanted to do the video for that song but eminem came back and told him no so we asked him when we interviewed him what would that have entailed did you have an idea already for the video and he said it was going to be his most ambitious one to date in that he would be spoofing a lot of tv shows there's going to be a ton of set pieces where he's on this show he's on this kind of show like a mystery show a cooking show blah 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 so that it would match the flow of the song well in rehe- in researching uhf they call this one his most uh, uh, ambitious one because of how many different artists and styles he had to do just visually in the video so it was almost usurped for most ambitious by a song that he couldn't do which is basically about the same topic <laughs> yeah so i think that's i think that's pretty pretty interesting oh
0: huh.
1: so but it is it is his most ambitious video and i like it it's really fun to
0: watch i don't know i still I still like Dare to be Stupid. Dare to be Stupid is great. As far as videos go, this one's good. I'm, I'm not going to disparage it at all, but...
1: Be cool man, Dare he, to be Stupid. be cool if you would have did a little Devo thing in uh, the UHF video.
0: Is that not Devo, where they're doing the, the crazy colors and they're on the stairs? Who is that? The Beatle coming off the plane? No, 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 no. In the UHF video, where the color scheme on the screen changes, and they're coming down some stairs.
1: What are they wearing? White suits? Yeah. That's the Beatles.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, if you look close enough, you can kind of see what resembles a bowl cut.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Over my head.
1: Dim to Beatles. Have you heard of them? No. They, were, they, they did have quite a few songs. I can't think of any, but yeah, they had a big, big following overseas. I don't, I'm not sure why they were bigger in... in uh, what people call the UK than they were here and here on this side of the pond. But yeah, people, it must, it must've been anarchy over there. Huh? It must've been anarchy over there. Yeah. I have heard that as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We we are the worst. Okay.
1: (laughs) You ready to bring it home? Let's bring it home. Garrett. Will you let me
0: ride my my hog? Uh, Oh, what? (laughs) Oh no. Oh,
1: I thought we ripped your dongle off.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh this this is just fun. This is it's not it's not much of anything, but it is fun. Um but for the longest time, even if you like it, you have to wonder why
0: it was made, right, Garrett? Well, I mean you you said earlier in the episode he had all this stuff recorded in the studio.
1: Garrett, we know why it was made.
0: Why do we know it was
1: made? So I got to talk about the movie a little bit. But in the film, his uncle that uh, bequeaths unto him the rights to the station uh, is sitting poolside, sitting large and living pretty because he's got a nice pool. And he's sitting at the side of the pool and he's listening to the radio just to set up the scene. Because when you're sitting by the pool in the 80s, you listen to the radio. You know what I mean, Garrett?
0: I don't know what you mean. And so
1: he's like, we got to have a nice rock song right there. Al wanted... His uncle, in this scene, and if I'm saying uncle and it's not uncle, I apologize, but I think it's his uncle. He wanted him in this scene to be sitting by the pool, listening to Kung Fu Fighting. Okay. Guess what, Garrett? Couldn't get the rights. Kung Fu Fighting, more like Kung Fu Fu Writing. Oh, no. And so, you know what? He's like, you know what? I'll make my own thing. And he sure did. He made a 17-minute song called Let Me Be Your Hog. And it's the perfect little stinger to set up, hey, that guy's listening to Rock by the Pool, because it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it sounds like rock, in your head you know, this guy's chilling. <laughs> yeah. Which makes you wonder why he was going to do Kung Fu Fighting instead, because <laughs> that is not a chill song.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure.
1: It gets me going. <laughs> huh. So there you go. Let me be your hog.
0: Well, I would prefer this to Kung Fu Fighting anywhere.
1: Oh, I do too. Uh, an, an interesting thing about this song, and there's not a lot to talk about here, but somehow I figured out a way to go on and on about it, uh, is that in when he played it live, because it's a 17-second song, he would give it this really long intro. He's like, I need to, before I play this next song, I'd like to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I just wanted to share with you, you know, some people get confused about the subject matter, and he'd go on for a few more seconds about how people get confused, and
0: then he would... I should probably uh, introduce this next song, because a lot of people misunderstand the words, uh, or at least the intention behind the lyrics. Um, There's some subtext that kind of goes over people's heads, and uh, I don't wanna talk down to you guys, but I think if I explain it to you a little bit, or at least where I was coming from when I wrote the lyrics, you might uh, appreciate the song more. Um, So bear with me on this. Basically, in its simplest terms, um, how do I describe this? This is a song about a guy who, who has an obsessive desire to be another person's hog. hope Let me be your hog!
1: And so he would say all that, and that wound up being like 30 seconds to a minute long. <laughs> and then he would play a song that's 17 seconds long, effectively giving it a much longer intro than it needed. <laughs> so that's good. That's classic live Al for you. Ah. Oh, Al. Oh, wow! Well. So there you go. That's the first half of uh, UHF. UHF, the soundtrack, part
0: one. This half of the album is only saved by UHF, the song.
1: Ooh. He
0: said it. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to quote a very wise man that once said that this album has very high highs and very low lows. <laughs> Was that the Beatles? <laughs> You know, who's to say?
1: Who's to say? Yeah, th- there we've, we went through some low lows on this side. Uh, Isle thing, I think, is actually the only one on this one. But uh, a high high on this one is UHF. UHF is a standout original, as I said. <laughs> uh, but there's going to be some way high highs on the next side. And you know what? There's going to be a super low low. So I look forward yeah. to recording that with you, Garrett. Yeah, I'm back. Yay, Garrett! Do you want to? Since we're kind of at the end of the episode and we've lost everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, people have already fallen off and stopped That's listening true. after we've made after we've made blunders of forgetting. Yeah, what album comes after UHF? And we've lost all credibility. Forgetting Lynwood.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then we're the Spareds Dial thing, and people were like, "Forget you, Tone Loke's my hero." Yep. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, Let everybody know what you've been going through, because I I kind of alluded to it in our uh, Strings Attached episode.
0: Yeah, I changed career. Well, not total careers, but I changed jobs. I moved from one city to another city within Tennessee, and it's been very taxing on my family and my time and my AL fandom. It's been terrible. It caused me to miss uh, the Strings Attached tour. I was very upset about it. But if there is anything I can take a lesson from our, our idol, our great artist in Al, is I don't think he would ever want me to put his music over my family, and I, that's, that is the decision I was faced with. Hmm. Because in that same weekend, I did buy a home and was able to secure a new living space for my family where I will be. Uh, we will be continuing our life
1: as far as this podcast is concerned almost no change right
0: <laughs> <laughs> no change folks
1: because we weren't uh, i mean may, people may have already figured this much but we we don't record in the same room anyway we are recording over the magic of telephone <laughs> yep so take it from us <laughs> the only you thing that really changed is that now you're an hour ahead of me and so that's going to be some scheduling stuff on our end but Uh, That might actually be better. Who knows? We'll see how the recording schedule
0: goes. (laughs) We are. The fans are first and foremost. You
1: know what, Garrett? And this is what I want to leave the people on. Life. Almost like an album. Has some high highs. And some low lows.
0: (laughs) Now that I've already said the stuff that I'm um, contractual to my family to say. I wish I had gone to the concert.
1: Oh, do you really? I th- yeah, I, think, I do. I think everybody agrees, though, that you can't... Well, you said it. You can't put anything in front of family.
0: Hey, they're a bunch of chumps. Dude, they I said been that on
1: Facebook, and I think I'm going to get fired. Because <laughs> it was directly aimed at my boss. And that's not oh, a story no. I want to get into, but if you're on my Facebook friend <laughs> and you saw that long post, it was aimed at my boss, and my boss commented on it. And... <laughs> I'm scared.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, it's okay. So that's good. You got a place to crash.
1: But I stand by it. You don't put anything in front of family. I think you made the right
0: choice. Just move in with me. Okay, I'm going to move to Knoxville as well. We're all going to be okay.
1: And then you know what? We can record in person. (laughs) Yep. It'll all work out. We'll we'll both quit our jobs, and we'll do Weird Al Podcast for a living.
0: I mean, it's not like we don't already have uh, millions of gold bullions from recording for five years
1: oh I know it's just adding up I don't know what to spend it on because you know what frankly we already have the the perfect equipment yep what am I supposed to do with all this crappy money
0: (laughs) it's going bad
1: yeah (laughs) it's going to go bad (laughs) money expires (laughs) alright well this has been fun I cannot wait to talk about part two with you because um, it has one of my favorite songs of all time and it's, it's good to be back in the swing of things agreed and as you settle down now people know kind of what you're going to have to be dealing with over the next few so keep that in mind as you listen uh, life is life and you can hold me to that uh, we'll see you next time when we're talking about UHF part 2 and until Yay. then dare
0: Cheers to me. be
1: stupid, stupid. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I started doing that Boss Nass thing from Star Wars Episode One, or we <laughs> like that. Boss
0: Nass.
1: Yeah. Is that, Did he hit is the Nos
0: in that movie?
1: <laughs> what is? How do you say it? Say Boss
0: Nass.
1: Is that how it's said? I
0: don't know. It's Episode
1: One. Okay. How does Weird Al say it in 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 that song?
0: Well, he rhymes it with gas.
1: Uh, We escaped from that gas. I met Josh Hart. Oh, you're right. Well, now do I have to sit here and watch Phantom Menace just to learn how to say this stupid name? Yes. (laughs) I already watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull today. I might as well end my night on a high note. (laughs) On a high note.
0: (laughs) What a crazy thing to
1: say, dude. This is making me laugh so hard. Uh. Me talking weird out to you is a podcast on the Weird Mountain Network. Find it on weirdmountainpodcast.com or on Twitter at Talking Al to You. The hosts are Dakota Rimmer and Garrett Hale, and they can be found on Twitter at the underscore rumorverse and at Hale 89 respectively. If you'd like to talk to us about this show or any of the other ones on this network, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdmountainpodcast. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes, because the world needs more good things.